Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I appreciate the ministers or the ministries of people who are strong theologically, philosophically, historically, culturally. I appreciate all that, but we need more than any of that can possibly offer. If we're going to have any impact in the world that we currently live in, we need power from heaven. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, in a message titled, God the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, as many of you know, we've been doing a series the series is called Everyday Discipleship, and 1 Corinthians has been our text. We've been making our way through 1 Corinthians. And as we come now to this 12th chapter, from chapters 12 through chapter 14, the emphasis is on the person, the work, the ministry of the Holy Spirit among the church, in the life of believers. And so we're going to be doing a series within a series. So our big series is Everyday Discipleship. The series within the series will be a series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we want to begin today this series. I want to begin this series today by looking at, first of all, who is the Holy Spirit? Because believe it or not, there's quite a bit of ignorance, and also there's quite a bit of confusion among Christians about the person of the Spirit. So we want to look at that together today. And it's my hope that through this series, we would all experience the Holy Spirit in fresh, new, and powerful ways. You see, because it's the presence of the Spirit in our lives individually, it's the presence of the Spirit working among us collectively. This is what brings life and vibrancy to the church. It's the presence of God among us. And so that's what I'm anticipating. That's what I'm hoping to see as we come through this series, that we would have a fresh encounter with the Spirit, and that that fresh encounter would move us into more and more of the things that that God has for us. He has called every one of us to do things for the kingdom. And so that is our goal, to see us be moved by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit as we come through this series, and then, as a result of that, engage in the things that God has called us to engage in. Now, there is, ironically, because the Bible is so filled with references to the Spirit, but there is, ironically, in church history, there are times and places where 
there is a real negligence of the Spirit. There, there have even been times in history where people have thought, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, that was all, that was all important in the early days because they really needed it back then because, man, the world was so messed up, but things are so much better today. We don't need that so much anymore. That is an attitude that has been present in the church's history, and it is an attitude that still exists among some people today. Now, I remember reading books that were published either late in the 19th or early in the 20th centuries. And these particular authors argued that since the world was obviously getting better and better, now what they meant by that was that the world was becoming more Christian. So they argued because that was the case, the need for the power of the Spirit, like we see in the book of Acts, for example, was no longer necessary. I mean, I I could actually read you quotes from books in my library where people back at that time said those kinds of things. It seemed at that time that the influence of Christianity was, was so far and wide that the church itself was going to be able to just in a sense, in their minds, some of them, it was like we were ushering in the kingdom. Missiologists in the early to mid 20th century predicted, this is in that same time frame, predicted that Islam would disappear from off the face of the earth within just a few decades. These were Christian writers expressing these types of ideas. Prophecy, healing, tongues, and miracles were, they would acknowledge, needed, no doubt, to jumpstart the church, especially in that pagan culture, but surely in the advancing scientific age, these things were no longer necessary. So in the minds of some, reason along with the Bible, would be a sufficient means of advancing the gospel and ushering in the kingdom of God. What happened? Well, rather than dying out and disappearing, Islam, as we know, had a major revival that goes on to the present day. Paganism, Gnosticism, spiritualism, far from disappearing, have had a renaissance in the West. Do you know, I was, as you know, I was just traveling in Europe. And one of the things that's, that's so obvious, it's, it's obvious here too, but in Europe, it's, it's even a little more obvious, that paganism is alive and well. It's back. Now, now paganism is what dominated the European continent before the gospel came. And then the gospel came and Christian culture came and what is known as Christendom, which is like a a culture that has been Christianized, came to Europe. But now that is all fading away and paganism is resurfacing. So reason that there was so much confidence in at one point in time, reason has taken a back seat now to emotion And feelings are now the way people decide what is true and false. 
So the idea was the church doesn't need this supernatural stuff. That was great in the early days. We definitely needed it then. But we're, we're so sophisticated now. And through our intellect and through our reason, we're going to be able to continue to see the kingdom of God advance. But nobody was anticipating that there would come a moment when reason would be put on the shelf. And that's where we're at today. We live in a post-truth culture. Post-truth is a real thing in the 21st century. You can look up the definition of it in the Oxford Dictionary. It was included in the Oxford Dictionary a couple of years ago. And post-truth is defined as this. Truth that is not based upon fact or evidence, but truth that is based upon how one feels. That's the world we live in. So how do you address a world like that with reason? You don't. You can't. Because reason is no longer relevant. So since this is the way things are, this is the reality of where we are today, I believe that we need the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit now in the 21st century as much as they were needed in the first century. See, we've come full circle. And we're pretty much back at the place culturally where the world was in the first century. It was a pagan, idolatrous world. We live in a pagan, idolatrous world. And it was only through the power of the Spirit of God that this small, seemingly insignificant group called the church could have any impact or make any headway. Now, don't get me wrong. I am a big proponent of the most intellectually robust presentation of the faith that we can present. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the ministers or the ministries of people who are strong theologically, philosophically, historically, culturally. I appreciate all that. But we need more than any of that can possibly offer. If we're gonna have any impact in the world that we currently live in, we need power from heaven. We need power from heaven. So on the one hand, we've got those who put the emphasis on the intellectual, which like I said, I think is, is good to an extent, but it's, it falls far short of what's actually needed. I'm all for missional living, living as the people of God in the culture that we find ourselves in. I'm all for the church in culturally engaging, but without the power of the Holy Spirit upon our missional living and our cultural engagement, we will make little progress against the powers of darkness that are controlling our world. We need something more than even our own collective sanctified efforts can accomplish. So even as, as we all come together and we're all thinking in terms of what can we do to impact our world for the kingdom, we need more than the best stuff we could ever come up with. We need the mighty rushing wind of the Spirit to blow upon us in power. And this is something that we cannot forget. We cannot forget it. The Christian faith is supernatural. The Christian faith is supernatural. 
Now, for some Christians, that's too weird. They don't like the supernatural. And so they reduce it to the intellectual or to the philosophical or to those other kinds of things. But the Christian faith is supernatural and ultimately advanced not by intellectual arguments or cultural relevance, as important as they might be at certain points, but the advancement comes by the power of God. So as we begin this series, I want to start us off by looking at three things today. We're going to look at, number one, the nature of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the believer. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit's role in the life and ministry of the church. And, and now let me say, none of this is going to be exhaustive because, for one, there, there's so much it would take much longer than we have to go super deep in it. But as we go through this series over the next maybe six weeks or so, we're gonna come back and cover some of these things more thoroughly. But today I just wanna, I wanna touch on these things a bit. So the first thing that we need to understand, the first question that we need to ask is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Now, if you're a Christian, you know that we believe in one God, but that one God is actually three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, in case you didn't know this, the Trinity is unique to Christianity. There's no other religion in the world that has a, an understanding of a God who is triune. One God, not three gods, one God, but in three persons. And the third person of that triune God is the Holy Spirit. So this is the first thing we need to understand. The Holy Spirit is God. He's every bit as much God as Jesus. He's every bit as much God as the Father. And yet, among Christians, real Christians, good Christians, I would say that our understanding of the Holy Spirit is probably where our understanding is least thorough. So we have a much better understanding of God the Son and God the Father than we do of God the Holy Spirit. And so as God's people, as Christians, we need to talk about the Spirit. We need to think about the Spirit. We need to see what the Scripture says about the Spirit. So what the Scripture says, is, in essence, as I said, is that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, Jesus, when he sent out the apostles to make disciples of all the people groups in the world, he sent them out and he said to go into all the world and he said to preach the gospel and then to baptize them, those who believe, baptize them in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus really is the first one to bring the Trinity right out into the open. Now, if you go back and look at the Old Testament, which we'll look at some passages in a moment, but, but when you go back and look, you're gonna find references to the Spirit. You're gonna find references to 
the Lord Yahweh, the God of heaven. You're gonna find references to the angel of Yahweh who is separate from Yahweh, yet is Yahweh. And here's my point. When you go through the Old Testament, you have these hints that there is this plurality within the nature of God, but it's never spelled out clearly in the Old Testament. There's never a place in the Old Testament where it tells us that there's one God in three persons. Jesus was the one who revealed that to us. And so when Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, he is revealing the triune nature of God. He's revealing the Trinity to us. Now, Paul, in his benediction at the end of 2 Corinthians, he used a similar kind of a formula. Listen to what he said. He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see this Trinitarian language that's being used there. So Paul is pronouncing a blessing through the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. So the New Testament makes it clear to us that God is triune, and the New Testament also really makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, you, it seems like you would deduce that from reading the Old Testament, but interestingly, the Jewish people who still read the Old Testament, they have not drawn that conclusion. For them, the Holy Spirit is like just some sort of a force, but they do not link the Holy Spirit with God. So again, the New Testament makes that crystal clear. And in an incident that is recorded in the book of Acts, the fifth chapter, maybe you remember this story where this man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira, they had a piece of land, they sold it, and they brought the money to the apostles and presented it to them but they kept back part of it. And so they could have kept all of it if they wanted to, but they, so they were being hypocritical. So anyway, as Peter confronts them about this, here's what he says. And incidentally, in his conversation with Ananias, the deity of the Holy Spirit is, is um, stated. So, Peter asked him, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then Peter says, you have not lied to men, but to God. So you see, Peter tells us that the Spirit is God. Now, again, we see this throughout Scripture. We know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So every, everybody understands, if you're a Christian, you understand God is the creator. Well, many passages in scripture attribute creation to the Holy Spirit. Look at Genesis chapter one, verses one through three. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. So in this opening section of the first book of the Bible, you actually have the Trinity being spoken of. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's a reference to the Father. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. That 
obviously is a reference to the Holy Spirit. And God said, that is a reference to the word of God. We know Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and all things were created by him. But we're focusing on the Holy Spirit. So here we see that the spirit is participating in creation. In Job chapter 33, verse four, Job stated, the spirit of God has made me. And then in Psalm 104, the psalmist said that you send your spirit out and they are created. So point is, God is the creator. The Holy Spirit is the creator. The Holy Spirit is God. Also, the Holy Spirit is the author of scripture. Now, when we think of the Bible, what do we think of it as? We think of it as the word of God, right? And it is, it is the word of God. But what we're told is that it's the spirit is the one whose all scripture is breathed. And the word breathe and spirit are the same word. All scripture is breathed out by God. So you see, the point is that the, the spirit is the author of scripture. But like I said, we know that scripture, all scripture comes from God. The spirit is God. And so when you think of the Holy Spirit, you need to think of him as God. Now, here's an interesting fact, though, about the Holy Spirit. The order isn't always Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but a lot of times it is. But notice, going back to the benediction that Paul gave to the Corinthians, Jesus comes first, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God second, that's the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, if there is a, an expression of God's nature in that Trinitarian form, most of the time, the Holy Spirit is in the, the last place given. And here's the interesting thing. The Holy Spirit, he has chosen to be, in a sense, the background person. The Father and the Son are the preeminent ones in the sense that they they are the ones that generally get the attention. The Spirit is equally God with them, but in the background. And Jesus, when he was talking about the Spirit coming, he even said that. He said, when the Spirit comes, he will not testify of himself. He will not come and say, okay, you know about God the Father. You know Jesus is the Son. Jesus is leaving now. I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm here. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit doesn't testify of himself, Jesus said, but he testifies of me. And so that is the position that the Holy Spirit has put himself in. In a sense, he's in the background. Now, I'm gonna come back to that, so remember that. But let's go on to the second point, the Holy Spirit and the Christian. See, whether we know it or not, we have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. You are not a Christian unless you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one through whom we become Christians. So we are born of the Spirit. We are indwelt by the Spirit. We are sanctified by the Spirit. We are sealed by the Spirit. And there are many other things that we could talk about that are there in the relationship between the Spirit and the believer. But like I said, we will cover that as, as we go forward. 
For the month of March, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. With all the chaos, unrest, and uncertainty in our world, behind it all is the unseen realm where a spiritual battle is being waged. And this spiritual battle not only affects the world collectively, but even our lives individually. This month's book, The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian, will give you an understanding of the battle that is raging behind the scenes. You will understand the enemy who is waging war against you, his tactics, and how you can be equipped to emerge victorious. As people of God, we must be aware of the spiritual battle we're all involved in, the sophisticated ways in which we're constantly being attacked, and the provision for victory we have in Jesus. If you want to be equipped for the spiritual battle we're engaged in, or to be able to help others become equipped, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Pastor Brian. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.